Hey leaders, welcome to Church Pulse Weekly. Let's face it, you didn't become a pastor to be a CPA and you didn't attend seminary to learn about software. That's why our friends at Belay are offering our listeners a free download of their resource, Five Ways a Church Bookkeeper Can Transform Your Day, which shares five ways a bookkeeper can benefit your church. Simply text the word PULSE to 55123 to get your free download. Again, that's PULSE to 55123. Now, here's today's episode. Welcome to the Church Pulse Weekly Podcast, featuring leadership author and podcaster, Carrie Newhoff, and Barna President, David Kinneman. This podcast delivers unprecedented insights every week into how church leaders are navigating constant change in an era of disruption and discusses new digital tools to help you stay connected in real time to the people in your church. And now, your hosts, Carrie Newhoff and David Kinneman. Welcome to Church Pulse Weekly. It's Carrie Newhoff here and soon to be joined by David Kinneman. I just want to welcome you. I'm so glad you're here. Here we are in September and uh, congratulations. You made it through 18 months of crisis and it keeps changing and morphing, but this is probably the best opportunity you've had to have some semblance of normalcy return to whatever you're leading. In most cases, vast majority, it's you're leading a church. And um, I'm excited for this fall. I'm also concerned for you that you take good care of your soul, good care of your personal health. Hey, I'm not going to be very long on the intro to this podcast because I want David to get to our guest, Stephanie Shackelford. He'll introduce you in a minute. Um, But hey, if this podcast means something to you, please let us know on social. Please subscribe if you're new. Welcome. Uh, We've been trying to figure out how to lead through, uh, well, the environment we're leading in now. And without further ado, let's get to David Kinneman and his conversation with Stephanie Shackelford. I'm sitting here with uh, Stephanie Shackelford, and Stephanie is a senior fellow here at Barna. Uh, she's been studying vocation and calling on a number of different products, including a, a major release we did a few years ago called Christians at Work. Uh, in 2012, she founded a career coaching company and has since helped hundreds of students, uh, graduates, and other professionals live into their purpose. She's also the author of the forthcoming Barna book called You on Purpose, Discover Your Calling and Create the Life You Were Meant to Live. It is coming out in just a couple of weeks. Stephanie, thanks for joining us on Church Pulse Weekly. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you and Bill Denzel, longtime friend of mine, uh, did such a fantastic job uh, on this book. Um, talk a little bit about what prompted you guys to write this book. Sure. Um, obviously, as you read in my bio, this is a topic I'm passionate about. Uh, so having had my own coaching company and just seen some similar struggles um, of clients coming to me really confused in this day and age about uh, how to decide on what career to pursue. Is it possible to live a life of purpose and meaning through your work? And so those are some of the questions that prompted this study because we're really always, um, really all of us are asking what am I meant to do here on this earth? What am I created for? And so those are the questions that really drove this book and this research to see if we could answer that and untangle uh, some of the confusion. That's great. Tell me a little about how you got interested in calling yourself. What was sort of the, 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 the backstory to your calling for calling? <laughs> yes. Well, uh, when I started college and even into graduate school, I thought I was going to pursue nonprofits, donor development, something in that realm. And I had a lot of experience through internships and shadowing people, informational interviews, some of the very uh, things that we suggest you do as you are on the hunt uh, to figure out and discern God's path for you. But um, through all those experiences, I really 
couldn't really find something that really felt like a good fit for who I was uh, wired to be. And so in graduate school, I took an elective class, a coaching course called executive coaching. And that's really where it clicked, where um, I realized I had a natural strength in this area that I didn't even know I had. And um, I found out, you know, my purpose was helping other people come alive to their purpose. And so um, through that, had more experience and then eventually started my coaching companies. So that led to then eventually getting connected to you guys at Barna and doing the work with and the research around vocation. Yeah, that's great. Um, and I know Bill Denzel would say that a lot of his purpose is that same idea of trying to help other people find their purpose. And he, uh, just a quick shout out to s- such a dear friend and the work that he has done on this this book and the manuscript and the des- the design and uh, and just all the work he's done at, at, at Barna through many years. Um, he, he's also a senior fellow here at Barna working on vocation. He's also working at LinkedIn. And so the two of you collaborated on this book. Yes. Uh, it's been in, in the making for a while, um, in part because this is a theme that that we care, that I care about a lot. And um, I've often described it as vocational discipleship, mm-hmm. the, the connection between vocation, what we do with our lives, and how that is uh, shaped in terms of our, uh, of our, uh, our faith. Um, let's back up just a little bit. We want to we talk about some of the research findings, but I want to start with where we began in terms of the project, mm-hmm. um, the, the Christians at Work study, and um, you know we don't have to have you know d- deep dive into that, but just just talk about kind of what you think is so important about you know doing research on uh, fit, on on vocation, on calling. Either, you can either draw from that Christians at Work study or or the new You on Purpose study. Yeah, so I think it's such an important topic because you know we spend a lot of our hours, most of us, at work, and so. Uh, especially from just even a church standpoint of um, talking to pastors, if they're wanting to equip their congregation to go out and be the presence of Christ in the world, which is what we talk about as everyone's primary calling as believers, um, it's important to understand what that looks like in the context of work. And so um, after you have your primary calling, uh, then that then your secondary calling comes into place. And so um, looking at how to God specifically design you um, to serve others in the world. Um, what, what are those activities that he has um, arranged for you? Yeah, I think we saw in Christians at Work, I had I got to um, talk to a lot of people that what we called exemplars, the so people who are actually living their calling. And um, I found this really fascinating because uh, what we really learned from them is that it's not um, it's not, you know, this flash of insight that you get in your calling. It really is this lifelong process of stepping more and more into um, God's plan and purpose for your life. Yeah, that's great. What were some of the key stats that you were uh, surprised by uh, uh, out of this work? And I'll, I'll sort of preface that by saying uh, that uh, Barna c- collaborated with you all on this. I was had the, the great opportunity of writing the foreword for this book. Uh, I'm convinced that one of the great reasons that the church is struggling with uh, connecting, you know, sort of faith to everyday life is that we don't connect faith to work life. And uh, and that one of the reasons we actually lose young people is that we don't vocationally disciple them and connect those dots. So we've been making this argument for a while, for a long time, uh, sort of readers and, and followers of Barna, that would be something I think that would be apparent to them for those that haven't heard that, the city of vocational discipleship is, is so critical. So our contribution was not only the, the foreword to the book, which was which was just a, my meager attempt to help, uh, but then we also did a major study behind mm-hmm. the book, 
looking at uh, across all working adults and Christians who are who are working and employed, uh, but across all sort of sectors of of those people who are in the workplace, um, looking at sort of the integration of 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 calling, a sense of calling, and and work, and you know, does faith make a difference? And so, what do we find? What were some of the highlights for you in terms of the research? Yeah, I think what was so fascinating is that we, like you just said, we did that large general population study of surveying thousands of Americans who are working, um, you know, all ages, stages, sectors of work. Um, and out of all those, only one in 10 people are considered purpose-oriented in their work. Yeah, so, yeah, one in 10 people are um, considered purpose-oriented in their work so that they approach work with a sense of meaning and know that God created them for a meaningful purpose. Um, so, you know, this is a very low number. So we have a lot of work to do to um, really help people understand that you can have purpose in your work. Um, and I think that was one of the big stats that came out of this is really seeing that this is a big need for um our society, our culture. Um, but I think another thing that really surprised me, especially when we get into looking at um, practicing Christians, is um, the general population, um, four out of five adults believe that the ultimate goal in life is to be happy. So their primary aim is happiness. That seemed very high to me because happiness seems so fleeting and circumstantial and is really just based on how is life going at the moment? How do you feel about it? It's really not stable. As soon as you attain it, it's gone. And so, um, you know, our counter to that is that the pursuit of purpose is much more satisfying and fulfilling. And we actually saw that uh, show up in the research that those who are pursuing purpose instead of happiness ultimately are, are more satisfied in their work and life as a result. Um, so fascinating. But, yeah. Keep yeah. Going. Um, but practicing Christians were actually more likely to strongly agree that they are pursuing happiness. So that was disheartening for me to find. I thought, oh, maybe practicing Christians will know that there's something more to pursue in life, but no, they were actually more likely to strongly agree that they're, they're seeking happiness above all else. What do you think that means? I mean, what, what, what would you say, uh, that tells us as Christian leaders, um, you know, it's, it's not that happiness is, is a, a wrong goal, but what, what do you think right. that could, we could take away from that? Yeah, I think um, we can be so caught up in just the present, how we're feeling that we lose sight of the bigger picture and the, even just the bigger story and narrative that we're all living as part of the family of God. And, you know, there's a long history starting all the way back in Genesis <laughs> Um, and so do we understand what is our part to play in this larger narrative instead of just looking so moment by moment? Um, and, you know, I think in the world today, it's very, it's a very chaotic environment to make decisions in. Um, it's very volatile, um, you know, not to mention a global pandemic that we are still in. Um, Tell me more. It, I haven't heard about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's so it makes, um, I think we can get so caught up into the day-to-day -day chaos that we can all, an uncertainty that we can all feel a part of. And so, you know, like you said, it's not bad to want to feel happy, um, but that's just not something you can ground yourself in. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, so I think this project is so different from so many other books and resources that are available on calling and the project itself that's sort of grounded in research and sort of these best mm -hmm. practices 
um, c- connecting from the work on the, the the study Christians at Work and then the the new project uh, You on Purpose. Talk about the exemplar piece a bit more, like h- how it is that we went to find you know sort of best practices among these exemplars. Like that'd be interesting for for listeners. Sure. So um, yes, there's a variety of our networks. We ask people, do you feel like you are living out your calling or your purpose? And if they said yes, then we um, we interviewed them, but really it was hearing their life story. And so we were very curious to hear their narrative of how did they come to get an understanding of their purpose and what God was calling them to. And um, simultaneously, we also talked to um, people who are in the career calling industry or human resource professionals, people who are kind of in this space of also helping others answer these questions. And so um, these two groups of people tended to have a different view on calling and purpose than the general population did. So for instance, where over half of the general population believe that calling is a solo journey. So this is just something they need to figure out on their own for themselves exemplars and um, those career coaching experts, uh, they saw community as being so essential. So everyone we talked to, um, especially those exemplars, uh, their community who was speaking into their life was so foundational to understanding God's will for them. So I think this is important for the church to hear that. Um, I think we, we tend to think this vocational journey is um, maybe one to do alone or in isolation, or it's um, you know, primarily self-reflective. And, and it is important to do self-reflection and self-discovery. And we talk at length about that in the book, but tied to that is also this need for community to enter into and to have space to wrestle through these questions with. Back to today's episode in a second, but let's face it, you did not become a pastor to become an accountant and you didn't attend seminary to be a computer software engineer. Still, managing money is crucial for any thriving organization, which means if you're doing anything wrong, you're actually risking the financial health and vitality of your church. Thankfully, our friends at Belay know this well. Belay, an innovative staffing solution with over 10 years experience serving churches, has successfully matched thousands of organizations with experienced, qualified virtual bookkeepers. That's why they're offering our listeners a free download of their resource, Five Ways a Church Bookkeeper Can Transform Your Day, which shares the five most positive changes that will come out of hiring a bookkeeper for your church. So just text the word PULSE to 55123 for your free download today. Again, that's PULSE, P-U-L-S-E, to 55123. And now back to today's episode. Yeah, that's good. And so I think what's so unique about this project is that we've then grounded a lot of these insights and uh, I'm going to tee you up here in a minute for the for these four steps that come from the research. They're mm-hmm. sort of, they're, they're sort of more than just our best ideas uh, as, as people, but having, having done the research with a broad base of population and then these, what we call exemplars, sort of best practices related to finding your purpose. So walk us through this sort of, you know, uh, process, um, you know, in a podcast, we can't go too deep, but just what are the, what are the kind of the steps in the journey? How did you and Bill, you know, sort of take us behind the scenes of, of how you guys sort of discern these sort of steps in the process based on the research? Sure. So as we started out on this project, we followed the process that Barna does for their great research that they do. Mm -hmm. Um, And we really followed those four steps of defining the situation, discovering, uncovering the data, 
deciding, you know, what is this saying and then doing. So making sense of it and taking action. But what we found is through um, the research is that these are the same four steps that we need to go through to understand our calling and our purpose. And so that first step define is so critical to just be honest about where you are. You know, if you're going to read the book, why are you picking up the book? Why, um, why are you asking these questions? Where are you in your life right now? Um, and just getting very clear about the starting point and what it is that you're after. So, you know, are you after happiness or are you after purpose? Like we just talked about. Uh, second is discover. And so this is a huge part of the research and looking at um, discovering who God has created us to be. And he, you know, obviously wires who we are and our personality, but he also places us in a specific context and time and history that are very essential to who we are and, um, and how we develop and grow, uh, where we've been placed, who we've been placed around. These are all essential parts of our calling. And um, it's really important to understand um, not only who has influenced us, but also how can we be an influence? You know, we were born in a very specific time and place in history, and that's not an accident. And so really getting clear on that. Uh, third is decide. So this is often where people get paralyzed in their decision-making because there seem to be so many choices and they have this overchoice paralysis that sets in um, because of a lot of things we can dive into more if you want, but um, FOMO, fear of missing out being one mm-hmm. of them. And so we really go walk through the decision-making process of how do you discern in this vast array of options that are available to you, what we are God is calling you. And then last do. So go out and do it one step at a time. Um, we talk about the myth of letting go and letting God. And um, instead, how do you take steps forward in faith? That's great. Tell, tell me more about that myth. The why, let go, why, let God. Yeah. Why is that a myth? Yeah. Well, um, so every chapter in the book, we have a myth that w- was um, brought up through the research and then we counter it with the truth found in the research, but also from our faith perspective. And so as in every myth, there's always a little bit of truth, but um, the let go and let God, obviously it's important to trust and let go of control. That's probably where the myth originated, but we've really I think as a society sometimes can um, use that let go, let God mentality to, as an excuse to not take steps forward in faith and to not move and take risks unless it's a hundred percent clear. And that's just not possible in this world we're in. We're never going to have 100% clarity. It's more important to have a general idea of where you want to head and to know that if you are walking in community and really seeking the spirit's guidance within you, um, there's oftentimes not a right and a wrong choice. There's just a choice and you have the freedom to walk forward in that. And God is going to be faithful. He will redirect where necessary and he will make clear the next step to take. And so um, we kind of use the analogy. It's like, um, you know, like learning to swim at some point you got to take the floaties off and you just got to start moving. Otherwise you are going to sink. And so uh, that's kind of what discerning your calling is a little bit like just getting out in the deep water and swimming in the direction that you feel like God is leading you. And you can always, you know, turn around as needed. Yeah, that's good. Uh, yeah. I think those uh, having been close to the, the the making of this book with you, um, I think those those myths and the myth busting that that you guys set out to do is really really rich, 
And um, obviously, a lot of listeners to the Church Pulse Weekly are church leaders. And um, talk a little about how you can imagine um, this research showing up for you know maybe a church staff or for you know even for the people maybe especially for the people in the congregation. Sort of like what are the ways you imagine this project being helpful to local church leaders? Mm-hmm. Well, I think if a church is interested in vocational discipleship, which hopefully we've laid out the case that they should be interested in vocational discipleship. Well, let me stop um, you there because I think a lot of churches are 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 not convinced okay. of that necessarily. So what would you make how how would you make a quick case for it? Yeah, well, I think it's kind of like we touched on in the beginning of that this is where we spend so much of our time. And mm-hmm. so if we're going to spend so many of our hours in a place in a context, um, we need to understand how it's connected to um, and integrated into our life as a Christ follower. And so what does it look like to um, show up to work knowing that God has specifically called you to that place and to those group of people and to serve where you are? And so... Um, those are big questions that I think, you know, a lot of people attending church could really benefit from having people help guide them through and walk them through that. And so really that's what this book is, such a framework that can be followed to guide someone through. So you can read the book individually and discern these things, you know, in your, for yourself, hopefully in the context of community, like we discussed. Um, but it's really great for leaders who are wanting to guide people through this process Um you know, at the end of every chapter, we ask some really deep reflection questions and exercises that are uh, helpful to discuss and get a variety of viewpoints um, from if you're doing this in the context of a group. And so I think it's a great resource for churches to have um, and to have as a group study. But I think one of the things that the churches would probably be most compelled by are what we just talked about, those myths. I think sometimes we hear these um, myths and we either just take it as truth, or we don't, maybe if you're a church leader, you don't really realize this is how your congregation is viewing things. Um, like if you're attending church and a Christ follower, you know, I, like I assumed, oh, we know we're not supposed to just pursue happiness. You know, we're not guaranteed happiness in this world. And yet that's what the, you know, uh, four out of five of us are pursuing. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's helpful to, um, kind of know what is, what is the, what are the thoughts of this, um, of our society and culture and how is that um, permeating our churches? Um, so, yeah, I think that, I think the myths would be really fascinating for church leaders to dive, to dig into. Yeah, that's cool. I want to ask you about both ends of the, um, the age spectrum, the generational spectrum. I think you guys have done a wonderful job on this project, uh, you know, really focusing on making this readable, great, great, you know, easy read for anyone who's kind of interested in what is what am I here for? You know, and uh, but I want to ask first about the younger generations of you know kind of millennials, young young adults mm-hmm. who've done a lot of you know sort of uh, coaching early early career individuals, people who are then and then even younger high schoolers and those who are going into college. You have a lot of practical experience in that. Um, what would you say are some of the big you know questions that are on? Uh, p- parents and students' minds, whether we're talking about you know Gen Z uh, sort of teenagers and early adults, uh, and millennials sort of you know in, in their twenties or in their early thirties, what are some of the ways you you sort of see the, the question of calling show up for young adults and teens? Yeah, um, I can kind of answer this both from what we saw in the research and just my own personal experience. Um, first, through the research, I, what was interesting is um, um, when we look at the purpose, people who are purpose oriented in their work. 
millennials were slightly more likely to be purpose-oriented. So this is something that is on millennials' mind. Um, but when we also look at the younger generations and work, they are much more anxious and stressed about work than older generations. Um, and even when we surveyed Gen Z who aren't even yet in the workforce, we asked what do you think you're going to experience at work? And they answered stressed, anxious, frustrated. Um, so their perceptions even going into work are very negative. And so this is something to be aware of as even the way we talk about work is um, you know, kind of like the office or something, <laughs> um, not a great environment. And so, uh, but then from a personal, just my experience of coaching and working with this generation and their parents, um, so many of the young people I work with, to go back to that kind of paralysis uh, that I was talking about earlier, there's just a lot of fear about making the wrong decision. So they're very afraid if they choose this major or they take this job that it's going to set them on this trajectory that's going to determine the rest of their life. And mm -hmm. so um, I think a lot of uh, opportunity that leaders have, parents have, is relieving some of this pressure, you know, one likely one decision you make in your life is not going to determine the rest of your life. And so how can you instead reframe this perspective and look at how God can use all of our experiences mm -hmm. and, um, you know, know your first job out of college is probably not going to be, you know, fulfilling your ultimate purpose in life. But the thing is, is that calling is not this static concept. We're always growing and changing and our calling is always morphing as we grow. And so, you know, we don't um, worship a God who's just, you know, going to just take us on this linear path. Instead, he uses all of the growth and he can um, use any of our experiences to guide us towards more and more of what his purpose is for us. So I think um, just even relieving some of the youth around this pressure they feel. Yeah, that's good. I think one that's one of the great things you guys have done in this project is uh, to, to imbue this project with a deeply biblical, uh, godly understanding of um, the pressure points of calling. Uh, the what, what? How do we wrestle with disappointment and mm -hmm. uh, sideways U turns? You know, even when you said just a minute ago, you know, like it's very likely that one decision isn't going to define your life. But for some people, a big decision you know, uh, a big mistake, a big challenge. It, it can define a big portion of their life, but God is a God of, of new mercies and fresh beginnings. And even in the mistakes uh, or what may appear to be mm -hmm. sort of mistakes or even in sin, there's ways that God redeems even that. Mm -hmm. um, that's such a powerful part of scripture. And I think you guys have have taken uh, a whole category. There's so much, so many books on calling and purpose and other things. I think you guys have taken uh, th that, that deep scriptural tradition along with your you know, great writing and, and an analysis, um, and then and then the research, and made it really, really a, a helpful template for people. Thank um, you. So, well, you're welcome. The um, the uh, the other side of that equation, we just talked about the younger generations, but the um, the older generations. Why why do you think vocation and calling is an important topic, not just for uh, for younger next generation individuals, rising generations, uh, but for older uh, adults as well? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So again, from a personal standpoint of coaching people who are a little farther along in their career, um, I think many of them come to me because they feel defeated. They feel like it's too late. Um, some of them may be hesitant to even engage in self-discovery because it kind of feels like, what else is there to know about myself? Yeah. I've been on this journey for X amount of years. Um, and so for them, I think the encouragement is that 
you know, it's, it's kind of the same thing. It's never too late. God is always writing a story and there's always more depth and more growth to discover. And, um, you know, your past jobs, even if they, if you didn't feel like it was your calling, that doesn't negate how God could continue to use you in the future. And we never fully are aware of all the fruit that comes out of our work or our relationships. And so also just surrendering that as well to God. And so for older generations, um, we also, um, in our research saw that, um, some of them are looking towards, you know, a third career or not wanting to just go into retirement, but to do something that feels very filled with purpose and meaning, um, as they head into the, into later years in their life. And so I think that's very exciting. And that gives me a lot of encouragement. And I think as church leaders, we can really, um, find encouragement in that and help foster that growth. That's awesome. So, um, wrapping up here, um, what do you sort of imagine someone who, who takes a look at this project, reads through the research is able to, to work their way through, through the book? What do you sort of picture might be the, the kind of light bulbs that go on for people? Yeah. Um, well, I would really hope that they come to understand really more of their creator. And so by, you know, this isn't just a indulgent, self-reflective process, but by understanding more of who God created created us to be, that we would also understand more of who he is. And uh, that's something that's important to me. Um, and I think through doing that, um, there can be just a lot of excitement about the potential of what's ahead and um, some of those unknowns that can cause a lot of anxiety and uncertainty. Um, although that will probably always still be there to some extent, we're never going to know what's ahead. Uh, but that can turn into really a faith and a trust that God has a good plan for your life and that you were created um, on purpose and for a purpose. And so that's what I really hope people would walk away from the book, just being very secure in that and and having more clarity around that. That's cool. Um, and so uh, the book is actually launching here at the end of September, September yes. Uh, 28th. 28th. Yeah. And uh, listeners can find out more about that at uh, barna.com slash you on purpose. The book is called you on purpose. Uh, And um, it's launching you guys, as I said, just just did such a terrific job. And um, as far as um, just, just as a kind of postscript to this interview, uh, we've been sort of talking about it in a roundabout way, but I just want to encourage church leaders that I think one of the great opportunities uh, for the church in the coming decade is to vocationally disciple, to help connect people to how God has wired them to understand their creator in a more intimate way. Um, this is something I've been been studying for a long time. Um, you know, we find that that young young adults and and teenagers they're interested in different kinds of work. Um, you know, they're interested in entrepreneurial careers. About half of teenagers are interested in entrepreneurial careers. Half of teenagers are interested in science minded careers. About a third are interested in what we could describe as creative careers. Um, it adds up to more than 100%. <laughs> half a half plus a third is more than 100% because uh, sometimes teenagers will mention that they're interested in more than one career. But but I believe God has designed work. Um, I was actually just last night in my own devotions reading through uh, the first two or three chapters of Genesis, how God has designed work even before the fall uh, mm-hmm. to, 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 to partner with human beings, to, to cultivate, you know, uh, different things in the world. And, and a good friend of mine, Sky Jathani writes about beauty, abundance, and order that before, before, uh, the fall of humankind, 
in the garden that God desires us to be people of abundance, people of beauty, people of order. And those actually track to those areas that, that Christian teens, all of us are actually interested in pursuing those kinds of careers. So uh, be- beauty are uh, creative careers. Uh, order is science-minded types of careers, uh, and and uh, entrepreneurial careers are abundance-oriented. And, and then, of course, in, in uh, Genesis 3, the fall uh, occurs, and so we sort of see, uh, I think it's Genesis 3, uh, there, there's this, um, this sort of, you know, now there are thorns and thistles. And so I think this book and this project and, and our, our partnership, Barna's emphasis to try to help awaken Christian leaders to the opportunity of you know connecting these dots for students for for millennials gen z but for everyone across the full age spectrum and it's not just for working adults we've kind of emphasized that idea of work but you know everyone has a type of calling everyone has mm-hmm. a, a call on their lives and being clear about that is so critical and working through those questions is is such an important one so again i just i think this is you know we're often look at, looking at um, how the church can have credibility and relevance in the lives of people. Mm-hmm. You know, where, where do we make a difference? I think this is just a huge, huge opportunity. Um, I, in, in my in my estimation, it's one of two or three things that is just a, an incredible opportunity for the church. Um, any any last thoughts from you about as you sort of see this hopeful future, um, or or reflecting on any of the stats or sort of the the perspectives I just added? Anything else you want to add as we as we wrap up? Yeah, just to tag on what you said. Um, you know, we do talk a lot about work in the book because that's where a lot of us spend our time, but vocation is not a synonym for work. And so we talk about our purpose as being all of the special activities that God has designed for us to do in this world that will lead to um, service or benefit to others. And so that looks like a lot of things, you know, how we're a neighbor, how are we generous, uh, how um, how do we engage with our family, all of those things can encompass part of our purpose. So yeah, just wanted to add on to what you said there. Well, thanks. It's a great clarification. And, um, you know, this project in some ways uh, started more than a decade ago for, for, for me in that I remember s- standing on a stage and sort of in an offhanded way, talk about vocational discipleship and someone uh, at uh, InterVarsity Press, actually, our partner on this one is Baker Books, but InterVarsity Press gets a little credit because they uh, they asked if uh, I'd be interested in writing a book on that. And so that that sort of planted a seed about maybe this idea, among other things. And I, I, as we've researched it over more than a decade, this idea that faith and work could be a more powerful part of Christian discipleship and a, a kind of a reintegrated part of how we show up as Christians has been a, a huge passion for Barna, for my leadership here. And again, we've shown some of those gaps that, you know, a lot of, a lot of times, like I just told you some of the stats about Christian teens, but less than one half of 1% of youth leaders talk about science and technology engineering as a, you know, it's like, we just don't even talk about career uh, especially for science minded kind of the geeks like like <laughs> me. And so that really, really irritates me is that we we only talk to sort of certain kinds of people in a certain kind of language. And that's part of the reason there's this gap. But this book, this project, this research that we've been now working on more than a decade in at least my mind, and then over <laughs> the last five years on Christians at work and sort of the basis of that large study that we did with Abilene Christian University that you and Bill Denzel and, and Brooke Hempel and others on our team have been working so hard at. Um, and then this book now, you, you on Purpose, grounded in research to give a, a sort of a research-based approach to understanding the myths we believe and the process to understand uh, calling. I think it's going to be an incredible tool for, for ch- church staffs to go through, for youth groups to go through, for college groups, uh, for families and households. I'm planning on giving each of my three kids copies of this book. <laughs> 
so that they can, that, you know, they're each at 22, 20, and 17, kind of wrestling with some of these questions themselves. Um, I'm planning on rereading it again as I as I'm thinking about my own calling in the next stage of my life. So I just want to thank you and Bill for uh, for the great work you did on this. I'm I'm just so proud of of uh, you guys and of what you guys produced. Oh, well, thank you so much. It's been a really fun project to be a part of. Yeah. Well, thanks so much, Stephanie. And uh, again, for listeners who are interested, you could check out barna.com slash you on purpose. And the book is available wherever uh, books are sold. Uh, we hope you pick up a copy and check it out. Let us know what you think. And Stephanie, thanks again for joining us on Church Pulse Weekly. Thanks so much. Well, thanks for joining us for today's episode. As we mentioned at the top of the podcast, you can learn the five most positive changes that will come out of hiring a bookkeeper for your church by using Belay's free resource. You can download it for free. It's called Five Ways a Church Bookkeeper Can Transform Your Day. To get it, just text the word PULSE to 55123 for your free download. That's PULSE, P-U-L-S-E, to 55123. Thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you next time on Church Pulse Weekly. Thank you for listening to the Church Pulse Weekly podcast. Join us next week for more insights on navigating constant change in an era of disruption and how to stay connected to the people in your church.